Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello there and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's happening? What's, ha- what's happening? <laughs> We're going to talk over each other the whole time. The whole time. <laughs> some days we talk over each other so much, some days we are pristine. I don't think we do that much. No, not that much. But I'm saying when we do, it's almost like a car crash. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> it is. I'm like, let's reset. We got to get grounded. <laughs> welcome to the show. I'm Lindsay Simsick. This is Krista Williams. We are best friends. We are business partners. Mm-hmm. We've been married in other lifetimes. Soul sisters. Soul sisters. Truly soul sisters. And we're really happy you're here. I don't know how you found us, but we know it's divine. That's mm-hmm. what we say. Yeah. It is divine. You've meant to be here. <laughs> now give me your money. <laughs> I'm so glad you found us. Give me all your money. <laughs> we're a community. We're a membership. We're a podcast. Can you hear the birds outside? That was yes, nice. that's the goal. Know, yeah, we're goal. in Austin, baby. So the birds, I actually was looking it up yesterday. There's a very dense bird population here. Yes. And I kind of need to know, I don't know if they're in migration or what, but there's, I don't know if they're swallows, but you can very much hear the birds a lot Well, it feels Austin. diverse. It does. It feels like tropical mm-hmm. and then it feels like mm-hmm. a swallow and yeah. then it feels like a robin. And it feels <laughs> non-native. Yes, The density of a certain population of bird here that you hear doesn't feel native, and Mm -hmm. they definitely feel invasive. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, there's you guys are taking over. (laughs) You're really stealing the show for the other (laughs) birds. (laughs) There's something wrong with the bird thing here, but it's raining today, which is really beautiful, so you might also hear rain in the background. Yeah. We're trying to put you to sleep. Yeah, (laughs) truly. This is a meditation track, actually. But yeah, coming to Austin, we were like, okay, let's plan our nights. What are we doing? Oh my God. Let's get into the mix. So I'm newly single, and I was going to see someone here, and that fell through, and... Because I'm so amazing, it fell through. <laughs> and Lindsay right away was like, okay, what are we doing? Made plans. Swooped in so quick and was like, okay, Monday, comedy show. Tuesday, we're going to go to Soho. So Monday, we did a comedy show. We left depressed. It's all good. All I can't good. do there anything was, there normal. Was, there was a handful of super talented, really funny, amazing comedians. That was like probably five out of 30. Yeah. Because it was like an open mic night plus the crew yeah. at this comedy place. So we did get some good laughs, but majority they were talking about porn. Yep. And porn. Just, yeah, porn and gross stuff. Yeah, and I think that's why comedy is such an art. There's the cheap approach to comedy, mm-hmm. which is the gross yep. shit and more sexual, which like, hi, we're 35, we can handle it. But like yeah. there's kind of a, for me, a threshold where I'm yep. like, oh, this is actually not that funny or yep. smart. I like smart comedy. Yep. There was some low, low vibe. When you're sensitive and you're a little psychic, you're like, oh, wow, that comedy's funny because a lot of it's true. Exactly. And you're speaking to a truth that we all experience, a universal truth that maybe we don't notice. But the truth in a lot of them was a little too true where it felt so borderline sad where you're like, oh, that feels a little too true. I know. So, but it was good. It was comedy mothership. The place is beautiful. Yeah. Comedy shows are so fun anyways. I was really doing a fun practice with myself because normally 
in those environments, I will be howling and like just to try and make them feel okay. Yeah. Where I'm like so codependent. Sympathy laughs. Then I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. That was a good rock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's not funny. And I was like, maintain your own energy. It doesn't help them if you fake laugh. Exactly. Just stay in your body. They're trying to do something. You know, I just had to be in my own energy instead mm-hmm. of trying to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Psycho. I found myself doing that too, where I was like, uh huh. Yeah. Like, we were or, also, or I was like row. smiling, looking Same. at them. I was like, you're doing great. Same. <laughs> we were also in the front row too. Yes. Also, there's that feeling of fear where I feel like I have to smile or else they're going to like talk shit about me. Yeah, I know. I was like covering up my boobs. I was like, I don't Same. make any comments Same. about. I was like, what's this bimbo doing here? <laughs> 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 um, Comedy yeah. show Monday, Soho Tuesday. Soho Tuesday. Service was horrible. So we're members at Soho House Bragg. And uh, very rarely is the service good. Yeah. I hate to say that. I don't, I'm don't. i not someone who likes to publicly shame a, an institution. This is our public Yelp review. Yeah, it's just like, it, I don't understand it. So anyway, Soho service was quite terrible. Just we didn't see the server for probably like 30 minutes at a time. Yeah. And it was a Tuesday night. So we got to give it that as far as like the vibe. I thought it was going to be a lot spicier. Yeah, a like lot you, more fun. Because it's such a sexy space. Yes. It's like, it can be such a vibe. And we've been there when it's such a vibe. No vibes. And there was we're just had. like zero, zero vibes. We were the vibe. <laughs> the vibe. My boobs were out and no one was there to appreciate them. <laughs> it's funny because our audience is messaging me. They're like, boobs are out again. Yay. <laughs> we know what time it is. Yeah, like we know what time it is. They haven't been out for years, baby. <laughs> but yeah, service was just wackadoodle. When the food, I just, it really bothers me when I eat a meal that I don't like. It's a waste of a meal. It's a waste of a meal. Thank goodness we had dessert. We went <laughs> yeah. literally sped. As fast it as I could. It was eight fifty seven, and it closed at nine. And it closed at nine. We ran in the door, busted in. Yeah, we weren't going to let them close. Gati, G A T I. It's in Austin. Yeah, Gati. It's a coconut ice coconut cream. ice cream place. They have amazing desserts, and they just do it right. It was so bomb. It was such bomb coconut ice cream. Then we got a s'mores bar uh-huh. that we murdered. We honestly were like tornadoes. We got in there at eight fifty nine, left at like nine oh four, yep. finished everything. Yep. And, dude, our energy shift, when we realized we could still get the ice cream, yeah. was fucking crazy. <laughs> I think we pushed over the girl leaving. Honestly. We were <laughs> flying around the store. We're like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What are you going to get? Can oh, I try like this? cinnamon bun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay got a cinnamon bun. That's crusting on our counter right now because <laughs> yeah. she's such a baby bitch. Can't finish anything. Yeah, that was the best part. Yeah. That's also we were debating on going out more. Or getting ice cream, the answer is always get ice cream. Yeah, 35, it's get ice cream. Oh, what do you mean? And then it's speed home to get in your jams. Yeah, we got in our jams. We watched some YouTube. It was pristine. Yeah, we watched Sunday Conversations with Kayla Presley. It was pristine. So that's been our trip. But right before this, I was able to sit down with our amazing, amazing rising woman, Shay. Shalina Ayana, who's a dear friend, an incredible being. I just truly love her. She's someone that... I connect with regularly on text when the baby's breastfeeding. She's a new mom. And we were lucky enough that last time we sat down with her in person in Los Angeles, after we stopped recording, she told us that she was pregnant. Uh huh. So we got so special early access and insight to that. And we were able to follow her along her journey and process. And we even got to hear the conception story that you'll hear today on the podcast. And so it was really nice because her daughter, I got to meet and be with for a long time. And then her amazing husband. 
took her for a walk while we got to record. Mm. And she said, after we got recording, she's like, honestly, I missed my baby. I was going to throw up in parts of it. She's like, I haven't left her for longer than an hour since she's been born. Mm. And she's how old now? She's six months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Six months. Yeah. That newborn bubble is so precious. And especially they're living in a very remote place. Mm -hmm. She's like, I just go on walks with her in nature. I'm just, she's in my pack. She's sleeping with me. And it's so interesting because I think social media, you see someone online and it's not like she shares a lot of her personal life, but 2.5 million followers. You see all the courses and programs and the business that she has running. And you just assume she's nine to fiving it and working really hard and just doing a certain flow. And it's not like she doesn't work hard, but she spends most of her days with her baby walking in nature, doing contact sleeping and doing all of these things. And she's really built her business to a place where she could do that. But you wouldn't really think that someone like her would be doing so much of the actual true essence of what she preaches, living that's in nature, being in nature, you know, being a mother that's really present, being in a flow that feels really good for her. So yeah, that's truly the goal. And I just look up to her so much. So this was such a fun conversation. I love talking to her. It is talking to a friend. And we talked about some things that just felt super juicy and pertinent and really relevant to her now, but also could be applicable to people that aren't moms. So we talked about the cry it out era. And the way that a lot of us grew up was that you were left to figure it out on your own. If you were upset as a child or infant or toddler, you were just told to cry it out figure it out on your own. You were left in your crib. You were left in the corner. You were just left alone to be with and process your own emotions. And then also the concept around someone being spoiled if you're loving them and have a secure attachment. Maybe it was your parents' generation or maybe it was a little bit of our generation where there's the assumption and belief that a child or being is spoiled if they're given a lot of love. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I actually see this a lot with people and their animals because I'm Mrs. Animal Girl 101. If I had a screen name today, it would be Mrs. Animal Girl 101. And I see people talking about their animals and dogs where they're like, oh, yeah, he's so spoiled. And you're like, because mm, you're feeding him and walking him and he has a safe place to be doesn't necessarily mean spoiled. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, they're so spoiled. And it's like, no, like you're actually just giving them the normal, sustainable things for a living being that you're living with. Right. It's not really actually above and beyond. And I think that can be applied to with children where there's an assumption that if they're getting a lot of love and attention and affection, that they're spoiled. We're not talking about physical beings or like physical things or material things, just talking about the actual time spent and attention. So Gabor Mate talks a lot about this. This is really something that we brought his work into the conversation around because now we're really looking at a parenting model that's more present, that's more connected, that's more securely attached than I think a lot of us grew up with. Yeah. I completely agree. And, and I think it's very specific to like the capacity of a parent. Mm -hmm. But I think we're so forward thinking. We're in the future where we're like, if we do this now, what type of human will they become? And so we associate like giving too much attention or love or will they become dependent on me? Or is co-sleeping going to make it this much harder to wean them off of that or breastfeeding for too long? And there's just all of this like thinking of a few years from now or even farther. And in doing so, we're not just completely present with the being that just depended on her body, our bodies for nine, 10 months. And we're assuming that they can handle their own and regulate their own systems 
whether it's sleep or soothing themselves, it's impossible. Like this being is dependent on us for biologically a certain period of time after birth. And, you know, I think there's like healthy ways in which people cannot co-sleep and still have beautiful, loved babies. I think it can look different for everyone, but I think we have to be really mindful of the intention. Are you thinking just too much about like, well, I don't want them to be a needy child. And it's like, what does that mean? And where is that coming from? Yeah. And in Gabor Mate's work, it's a lot around the brain development of a child at that age. They don't have the prefrontal cortex online. So the conscious awareness to be like, oh, yes, my mother is leaving me in the crib to cry it out because she doesn't want me to be spoiled. They're like, I just need my mom. And now I'm learning from a brain development perspective that I cannot count on my mom or the world. And the mother or the father, the parental figure, mostly the mother is the whole world experience at that time. So how can we build that connection to make them feel safe? And again, it's not to shame and blame any mothers. I just think it's a great conversation and thing for us to think about around that. We also talked about oversharing online. This is something I love to talk about. Heck yeah. Because oversharing online is not vulnerability all the time. There is a very fine line. There is nuance in every conversation. I love to bring nuance into things. When you share online, it is not always you being vulnerable. It could be you unprocessed. What I perceive to be vulnerability is when you have to say something really hard to someone you love and there's a risk it could rupture or ruin the relationship. Rather than you just saying something to the void or out in the world doesn't always mean that it's vulnerability. There's levels. Obviously, there is a deep vulnerability in sharing online as well. I've shared things that have been very vulnerable. I'm sure you have too. But I think in our culture, it's like, how can we really be with and honor the emotions that we're in and the process that we're in instead of just using it as like social currency? So I think just exploring that with her was really fun, hopefully doing it in a non-judgmental way. But how can we be more mindful about the soul and the being that's in the physical rather than feeding the avatar and the avatar's community? Yeah. I do it to an extreme, I think, sometimes where- What do you mean? I just keep certain things very private. And I think there's like an option to kind of share it for well-intentioned value for an audience. It's a little selfish where I'm like, I actually just really want to keep this for myself and- my experience and maybe a year down the line, whatever I can share. And it's about being processed, but it's also about fully just being present for what is mine or ours if it relates to my husband or whatever. And I'm also really sensitive to like intention when people share and when I share. There's like a part B intention in sharing where it's like to promote this or to maybe up my story views because it's a juicy share. Things like that where I'm like, lately, I've had to check. What's the intention here? Why am I sharing? Does this feel like the right time? Does it feel good in my body? Have I thought also about the people that it might affect? Because that's something I think about and care about. And those people are like family and friends that like it might have to do with. Yeah, I just, I think it's felt energetically online by the people viewing it too. And we see a lot of like, what do you call it? The Energy emotion vampires. porn? Yeah, that. yeah, that's so true. Vulnerability porn, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Where it's like people just like, I just got in a fight with my husband and he blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yo, bitch. I know. Talk to your fucking husband yeah, about this. Literally. You know what I mean? I see influencers using their audience as their energetic nourishment. Yeah. So the hit of dopamine and response and you're okay, it's okay. Like just recruiting them to be in the same dysregulated state that they're in. So a lot of times when people are trying to regulate their nervous system, 
They go to other people. Mm. As a child, you have a process in which you weren't securely attached. You might try and regulate with others. Yeah. I, I've done that most of my life where I've tried to regulate with other people. A social media person could use your audience for your feeding. So we talked about that. And then we talked about conscious relationships a little bit. And it just felt really whole. Motherhood, mm. the way that we grew up, reparenting ourselves, social vulnerability and conscious relationships. So Thank you so much, Shay. We love you so, so, so much. You can find her at Rising Woman online. And then you can also find her on her personal Instagram where she does writing. It's at Shalina Ayana. So it's S-H-E-L-E-A-N-A. And then it's A-I-Y-A-N-A. If you enjoyed this one, it really means a lot if you share it with a friend or family member, not only to us, but I just think it's a beautiful way to start conversation and yeah, really take your relationships to a new depth as like a starting point to talk about these different things. And if you're new to Almost 30, definitely go to almost30.com. We have an incredible membership. This is open for you to join at any time. And it is a place where you can come as you are and where you are in your process and path and feel supported. We laugh a lot. We learn a ton. And it's just a great anchor on a multi-monthly basis where we're having workshops and live hangs. And you can just tap in to be like, ah, okay. Like I'm on my path and really connect with other people who prioritize their growth as well. Mm -hmm. Almost30.com, Almost30 podcast on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me on Instagram. It's at, it's Krista. It's K-R-I-S-T-A. I'm also hosting a retreat for empaths Mm -hmm. at Six Senses in Ibiza. So you can go to itschrista.com to check more information for that. And I'm at Lindsay Simsic. Enjoy this one and I will see you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Oh, therapy, y'all. I don't know. I just, I don't know what I did before therapy, to be completely honest with you. I think I was kind of a mess, but you know, found it when I was meant to, but I have been going to therapy for about six years now, which is so crazy. So crazy, but it has changed my life and I will continue to invest in therapy for as long as I can. I feel like it has totally, totally made my relationships better, made my career better. I am a better mom. I am a better wife. I'm a better friend. I am a better daughter and sister. Y'all, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, this is it. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you get matched and you're like, yeah, not quite a fit, they make it easy and it's free to change. But I've had a lot of friends try BetterHelp and love it. So I really, really encourage you to start therapy. It's been the best decision I've ever made for myself. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com almost 30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these Superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like 
this is a new type of audio that um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future, um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. I think about that with writing and content I'm like oh you don't know what I've been through to be able to write that mm -hmm. or be able to share those words or be able to process that information and when someone takes it or when someone else says it and it's not integrated I know that it won't be received in the same energetic way but it still like breaks my heart I'm not to the place where I don't care yet yeah and I wish I could be yeah I mean I feel like I care a lot yeah but it's not about competition or jealousy it's more about feeling deflated. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, well, what's the point if I'm putting so much energy into creating something that feels really true and unique to me? Because uniqueness is important to me. Like that's something that I value. And then when that's taken away, I'm like, well, why don't I just put my energy somewhere where it's actually going to make a difference? Because it does feel a bit deflating. Like I'm sitting in this echo chamber where everyone's saying the same thing now. So is my work impacting people is does it matter I don't actually know which is why I think working with groups in person and like actually being yes. engaged in real life helps because then I remember that it is but yep. when I'm just sitting behind my computer and broadcasting I forget same you know? I know that's why me doing in person stuff again was like instrumental yeah to see the change that you have on people to see the effect you have on people because right now when you're just like you'll get a dm that's super kind which is so heartfelt and so meaningful but it isn't really the same energetically yeah when you feel a person in yeah real life I love receiving those messages it's so touching and it does ground me and remind me that yeah. I'm actually making a difference but when I meet somebody in person yeah who I've supported in some way it's so special yeah because it's like a real person that you can hold their hand I remember I was at Whole Foods like a few months ago and I had Ray in the carrier she was like two months old and this woman was eyeing me and she kept looking at me over in the aisle and finally she was like 
are you Shalina Ayana? Like, did you write a book? And I was like, yeah, I did. And she almost started crying. And she was like, I got your book and I took it on a plane to Mexico and I read it and it changed my life. And I just held her hand and just gave her a hug. And I could see the tears in her eyes. And it was so meaningful for her to meet me, but it was so what I needed too. I walked away from that just feeling so open. Mm -hmm. And it's moments like that. I feel like we all need those in order to keep going, you know, because when you exist on Instagram, I think a lot of people assume that you're just on Instagram, like that you're not even actually a person doing work in the world other than social media. I'm like, I'm not here to be an influencer. Yeah. I'm here to actually do good work in the world. And that's how I want it to be received. And social media is one way that I do that. But that's certainly not the world that I want to live in. Instagram is so powerful in that way, but it doesn't really hit in the same way as an in-person thing does. I relate where you're like, I want to be different. Like, Mm. I want to be unique. And I think about that too. And I'm having a kind of conversation with myself where I'm like, is that my ego that desires Mm. to be unique? Or is that my true essence that wants to be, uh, my essence is trailblazer essence. So is that part of my essence or is that my ego Mm -hmm. where when I see someone say something that I've said or something similar, I'm like, I don't want to ever want to say it again. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I never want to talk about that again. Mm -hmm. I never want to say it again because it feels like if that could be so flippant from someone else, is it just so flippant from Mm -hmm. me? Is it as meaningful? Do people need to hear it again? Does it distill it? Does it make it less valuable? And a lot of times I'll think about stuff a post that I share or something even I'll read from someone else. And I'm like, this is a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. Like even if you shared a post on attachment styles or if you share a post on the mother wound or if you share a post on conscious relationships, those are lifelong pursuits. Mm -hmm. It's distilled down into text and graphic. Yeah. But it's so much harder than I think we give ourselves credit to master these things that are just shared so casually. Totally. And... There's also a real big difference between somebody who is just repeating what they've heard or what they've read and somebody who's really speaking from their lived experience or they've actually walked through the fire. These are very different ways of transmitting information. And when you get those people who are just sort of capitalizing on a trend, sometimes it still really works. But I do feel like the best thing that we can do is just really stay true to our essence and just keep focused on what our mission is and who we really are. And it's sort of both. I don't think any of us are free of ego. Like, I'm definitely not. And at the same time, you know, we are all unique. We know this. And we all have our own unique way of sharing the same thing over and over again. But I do feel like sometimes the wind is taken out of my sails when I create something that feels like art to me or it feels something that came through me in a really pure moment and then someone takes it and just kind of tweaks it a little bit and then I think well am I making a difference and it's hard sometimes to reconnect back yeah but I don't know I just feel like we have to just keep going and doing what feels true for us in every moment yep and trust that we're always going to be who we are in a unique way and we can't be taken off of our path. Yeah, that's huge. And I think this is important to talk about because so many people listening look up to you and they idolize you and they idolize your career and your reach and everything you've created and the way that you exist. And even for me and my story in my space, it's like 
people don't see that part of what we do where mm. people can plagiarize and copy you, where people can kind of take your work and act like it's your own. Or there's just so many elements that people wouldn't recognize as super painful. For the Life Edit program, I've had a few people copy or rip off that. I went to this like women's thing recently and we had the list of all the names of all the people. And I was just looking at all their pages just to kind of familiarize myself with the people that I was with and their work. I went to a page of one of them and literally had ripped off the life edit. was like oh, no. the exact thing. I sent it to a few people to check. I'm like, yeah. hey, am I off here? They were like, no, that is it. And I was just like, whoa, this hurts. It just is really painful. And I was able to just kind of come to peace with it and see it as a test and see it as something that was fine in the end. But it still doesn't mean that stuff doesn't bother you. Or like when something feels like it's a channeled through you that if someone could take it you're like no this was like a unique code that mm -hmm. I received mm -hmm. that feels like it's gone through my algorithm and mm -hmm. I've created it specially for the world and yeah it's hard mm -hmm. yeah I totally resonate with that and the funniest thing for me is sometimes when you know I'll be sharing about something or I'll write something and then a couple of weeks later someone else will write about it and then people will be like oh, well, this person came up with that. This person already wrote that. And I'm like, well, actually, if you look at the dates, because I yeah. write things on my personal Instagram, like Ashley and Ayana, I write all of it first. And then like a week or two weeks or three weeks later, it might come out on Rising Woman if it's something that feels good to share through that. And so because I have such a smaller Instagram for personal, people will often not see it. And then they'll think, oh, well, so-and-so made this up already. Or so-and-so invented the mother wound. Like somebody said that to me once and I was like, no, like a lot of this stuff is not new. Even the yeah. stuff that I talk about, I'm not saying like I've invented all of these things. Yeah. It's how we say it and the way that we share our stories that is different. But it's just one of those weird times where it's very noisy. It's very noisy. And so I follow a lot of these people on Instagram because I love them or they're my friends, but I try not to really engage too much in reading other people's content just because I want to keep my own channel clear and I want what comes through me to be channeled through spirit in that connection, not from, oh, seeing that this person wrote a post and it did really well. And so I'm going to make one like that. I don't want to engage in that. Yeah. And it's so tempting. It's yeah. so tempting because I can find myself doing that if I'm engaging with someone's content, like yeah. some of our friends or some of my friends. I can be like, oh, wow, this posted really well. And then I'm like, and then I can see my brain yeah. being like, okay, I could fucking talk about, wow. You're like you, <laughs> you just go off and you have to, as a creator for anyone that wants to create, that wants to write, that wants to just be in their own expression and their own uniqueness, you really have to take yourself offline mm -hmm. to create. And that's what I remember in our first conversation, you talking about how a lot of what your work has come through channeled in nature yeah, and on walks. And it's something that you're able to really do just like on your own in your own experience. And I think for anyone that's creating really powerful things, it's mostly done without inspiration from social media. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Most of the stuff, especially lately, that's come through me, I'm yes. always out walking in the woods. I'm not on social media. And that's where the most beautiful stuff I feel comes through me anyways, because I'm clear and I'm connected. And so I think I spend the most time ever when I'm creating just in the woods in nature connecting to the waters connecting to the lands and I feel like I learn so much just being in that space 
in some communities, like one of the women who lives on my land, she's a part of a nature community and they have this saying like when a song comes through you, it's called like catching a song. Like you catch it. You don't write it or create it. And I've experienced that a lot since having my daughter where I'm out for a walk in the woods because we live on 10 acres and we back onto like 300 acres of nature reserve. And since she's a contact sleeper, I carry her or sleep with her for every single nap every day. So that's translated to two to four hours a day in the forest sometimes when I'm like really wanting to move. And there's been so many times lately where I'm out there and I just, I step into a puddle or I go and stand by the creek where I touch a tree and a song just lands. I just catch that song. And it's been special for me to embrace that and really let also the way that I share and some of the things that I share shift instead of trying to stay on brand, so to speak, and just following that call to move more toward talking about motherhood and singing songs that come through me and just sharing the little poems instead of only the stuff that I've been sharing for the last many years. So it's been special to let that happen. Yeah, I think as a fan and follower too, in addition to friend, I was looking forward to the motherhood content because I think so many of us are looking for expanders in that world and space. I didn't grow up with many conscious mothers. I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up seeing many women doing it in the way that I seek to do it. And so I've been so grateful to be surrounded by women that have had children in their own unique way. Yeah. And to be able to just view and observe like what I think is going to work for me, what's not going to work for me. Obviously, with no judgment, because you don't really know what's going to happen until you have your child. But I think we need so much more of that. And also, too, it helps us understand more of our childhood. It helps us reparent ourselves. A lot of your work and then Gabor Mate's work has just really been so eye opening for me and understanding like I've just been like heartbroken at how we were and how so many generations of children were just neglected in ways totally and I think one of the posts that you did recently that was really beautiful that I wanted to talk about was around like crying it out Mm -hmm. was around crying it out and then what sleeping I think the one that I wrote recently created a lot of outrage but also a lot of resonance as any polarizing subject does but it wasn't even really about cry it out it was more about the generation that believed in cry it out yeah and how a lot of that parenting was fueled by disconnection and also it was fueled by just sort of wanting to get through the next phase instead of really being in it. I think my generation, probably most of us, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think most of us didn't have parents who A, understood attachment or prioritized emotional connection, which are the most important things. Yeah. Just to say yay on Gabor Mate's success because I've been watching his career. He lived in Vancouver. We lived in Vancouver years ago. So I used to see him in the park all the time. And he just does such good work wherever he goes. But it's been amazing to watch a true elder at his age finally just blowing up. Like everywhere I look, it's his work. And I've just been really excited to see that because his message is the all-encompassing message that people need to hear, which is that those are the things that really matter. And yeah, it's been wild to see as a mother how much debate there is about that and how much defensiveness there is that, and I get 
there are people who they're struggling in ways that we can't understand or there's someone who has postpartum depression or they have a baby with colic and so that baby is screaming all day and they have to put the baby down to keep themselves sane. Like I wasn't really talking about that. Of course. You know, what I'm talking about is someone who's like, oh, well, I'm just going to let them cry it out. They'll figure it out. I need to get my sleep. I'm going to put them in their crib and they'll just get through it. And that's going to teach them how to sleep. That's just one example of how disconnected we can become as a culture where we see infants as adults, as tiny little adults. And we never learn how to self-regulate. We have such broken attachment. We don't learn how to trust. And then we bring that into our adult relationships. And so I was talking about that. And, you know, anytime I bring stuff up like that, people get really upset. But I really believe in it. I think it's because it's motherhood and people are just so charged around things like that. Oh, yeah. It's so funny how anything, like, think about politics, oh, yeah. vaccines, motherhood. Like, yeah. they're on the same vein of polarization. Right. Where it's almost like you can't have neutral conversations with a lot of people about yeah. these things, which makes it really tough to connect because these are the actual things that we need to connect on the most. And Maybe not the politics thing, but for sure, if you're having a baby, you want to be able to have a neutral conversation with somebody about vaccines where you can weigh the pros and the cons and you can actually make a decision not from an extremist perspective. But it's very hard to find anyone, even doctors, who take a more open, flexible position to give you the information you need. It's like way to the left mm -hmm. or way to the right. And it's like that in parenting I'm finding too, yeah. where... There's these certain ways to do things and if you do things differently or if you do things in a way that, you know, some other group might disagree with, there's a lot of fighting and debating and judging. For example, like we co-sleep and there's a lot of information out there on how to do that safely. And there's also a lot of research that shows that it's very good to room share and to be with your baby in that way. But then there's like these two camps where mm -hmm. they're like, you know, you're putting your baby at risk and, you know, you're going to kill your child and it's all very intense. And so I think a lot of people are even talked out of doing the things that would help them connect deeper to their baby because they're scared of the judgment. Yep. And so that's why motherhood's such an initiation into yeah. this archetype of really taking the reins and doing what you feel is Queen right. Queen of Swords vibes. Yes, because if you're in your maiden energy and you let people boss you around on how you're going to do your pregnancy, what tests you're going to take, how you're going to give birth, how you're going to raise your baby, all of these things, you have to be able to stand up and say, no, this is the choice that I'm making. This is my body, my baby. This is what I'm going to do. And so it's a real test also in having very strong boundaries, a lot of fire. You need fire. I have chills when you saying that just feels so resonant for so much because I've seen in the process of so many of my friends becoming mothers, just how many weird little things try and get pushed on them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We just do this vaccine before you're whatever. And then we just do this. And we're just going to oh, vaccinate yeah. them right before they yeah. come out of your vagina. Is that OK? Yeah. We're just going <laughs> to give them like Whoa. 22 vaccines as soon as yeah. you know they're outside of the womb. But we're not going to talk about it or. Just like all of the different variety of things that are just normalized and then sort of instilled in a fear way. Yeah. And not with education or curiosity or openness. 
and really the amount of opinions that you can have totally on your life and it's just so wild too with the world of social media because it's like you're doing a post about the cry it out sort of culture and idea and this is really like how can we talk about the ideal situation for a child mm -hmm. and how can we explore what it would be like to have secure attachment with our children yeah let's explore that conversation but then you have people that are like i can't do that because i have this thing i don't know if it's because there's like a narcissism with people or there's just like an immaturity where people feel like it's a direct attack mm -hmm. on them or it's like directly speaking to them. But it's so wild that we can't metabolize like a general teaching yeah. for understanding how to be better parents. But I think with Gabor Mate's work, what really struck me and was just thinking about the way that we think about children was as if they have the same adult brain as us. Yeah. And so when we have a child who's six or seven and we're telling them that they suck at sports and we think we're going to motivate them by shaming or blaming them mm -hmm. because that might work for someone who's older, but actually they're just recording that information yeah. and they're just absorbing just it and taking it, it in and internalizing it. And for a child, they don't understand the cry it out. Yeah. They're just going to be thinking that you're never going to come back or thinking that they're not worth it or just living in fear or whatever it is. And so with brain development, that's how we should really be looking at the way that we're mm -hmm. raising our kids is understanding where they're at that process. But what have been some other things about motherhood that you've looked at and been like, whoa, I can't believe that this was normal or this was something that like I grew up seeing or doing or having experienced as a child? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's such a loaded question. There's just so many things that we do now in North America that I think are conveniences for the parents mm -hmm. and not for the child. And so what I'm seeing is that parenting has become something that you fit in with your life rather than allowing it to change your life. It's like we want our kids to just accommodate us in yeah. some way. And I had a friend recently, he said to me, when I see you with your daughter, now I know what's possible because the parents that I know are always trying to get away from their kid or they're trying to make their kid fit into their life and you just accommodate her. Like it's all about her. And there's a whole wave of mothers and fathers that are doing this now that are saying, no, I'm here for the spiritual journey of this experience. I'm not trying to get you to move faster. I'm not trying to get you to develop to the next leap quicker. I'm not trying to get you to sleep longer. Everybody wants to sleep. And in those middle of the night wake-ups when I'm nursing her or she won't sleep unless I'm holding her so I'm walking for hours in the forest or I'm pacing up and down in minus one weather <laughs> down our road, I'm not wishing it away because I know that it's going to be over soon. And I'm never going to get that time back. And so what I have felt most called to is to embrace the slowness and to see every moment as a devotional path. Like mothering is the devotional path. I don't have time to do any other spiritual practices right now. Yeah. Not reading books, not listening to podcasts. I'm not doing any exercises in the morning with my journal. I'm just mothering. And through that, I'm letting it be my spiritual practice like how present can I be right now with her how regulated in my own nervous system can I be to hold her through this moment that feels really big and scary for her how can I just be here and I didn't expect the amount of grief to come from 
realizing how quickly time passes. And so that's been like a whole other thing. But ultimately, it's just been about slowing down and seeing on social media, I'm constantly getting fed these Instagram posts on how to get my baby to sleep through the night or how to speed up this leap that they're going through or how to get them to move their body the way that they're going to inevitably move their body anyways, but like how to get them to do that faster. And I'm like, I don't want any of that. I just really want to be in this right now. And so much of our cultural conditioning is on speeding it up to the point where we miss it all. Yeah. It's about like finding places for them too. It is. It's like, okay, I want them to be napping longer. want them to be sleeping longer. When can they go to school? When is this? It's like, do you want to spend any time with them? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I think about that for me and my family. We had help and I was like, I don't know if my parents spent any time with us. It was made to fit in the life, but not made Like an accessory. An accessory. Yeah. But not given that time. And even watching your daughter, just being with your daughter. And I've said it twice with you guys, but the eye contact. And I was just watching her like, oh my God, I would have loved to have parents look at me that much Mm -hmm. and make that much eye contact with me and be present with me yeah and it's like sometimes a baby just needs a bunch of eye contact totally and you to be like with them yeah and you to be in that way but it is something that I think is the biggest spiritual experience and I think things like this you can allow it to be the thing that's going to transform you and make you more of who you are and make you more of that person that you want to be because Mm -hmm. this is like the actual lesson in the work right in front of you Mm -hmm. how are you going to be in the presence of love? How are you going to be in the presence of innocence, in the mm-hmm. presence of divinity? But we were talking before about the spiritual experience before you had your daughter and yeah. the contract that you guys made. And I'm so excited to hear that story because I've had my children. I've had my girl with me since I was 26. Every single psychic reading I've ever had in my entire life, she's come up. And it's interesting, the second child recently came to me after my separation because they were like, they're ready for the next path in person. Yeah. And the other night I was just like feeling the presence of this being and just falling. I mean, you can feel when you feel the presence of your children and it is so powerful. So to know that I have contracts with those beings has been so lovely and communicate with them and talk to them. But I'd love to hear about your story with your daughter in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our conception story is really special to me because it was many moons before we actually conceived her that I met her. And I had, I've been preparing for my daughter for many, many, many years. Like all of the ayahuasca ceremonies that I did, so many medicine ceremonies, even once I remember I had done mushrooms and I was in ceremony and I was really having a hard time. And then I felt this one ancestor or this one guide that often comes in and she just pinned me down and she was like, are you going to run from this? Are you going to make your daughter do this work for you? This was probably five years before we conceived, right? This is many times leading up to even meeting her spirit. I had this guy tell me you're clearing this for your daughter and we've talked a little bit about my histories like you know yeah (laughs) there's a lot yeah there's a lot a lot of trauma a lot of ancestral pain a lot of abuse and so for me I always felt that's what I was doing this for was to rewrite that lineage story 
And Ben and I started to really feel ready. Like finally, we've been together for almost eight years. We were like, okay, let's really create this family. Living on land was a part of that. And so when the summer hit, I think this was September. It was the full moon in Pisces. And I went down to the ocean with two pink roses and my friend Andrea, who she does the astrology on Rising Woman. And we brought Bodhi, my little dog. And we stood out in the field near the ocean. And this is a place I go all the time. And the moon was so full and bright. And we just stood there and I held the roses and I talked to her spirit and she told me her name. And I just talked to her and I said, here's what I can offer you. Here's what I can't in terms of what kind of dynamics. Because every soul is looking for an experience and it's not always butterflies and rainbows, right? Like sometimes they're actually looking to experience chaos or they're looking for a really intense life path. And so I just shared, here's what I can, here's what I can't. Here's what life will be like if you join and I'm ready for you and you can come anytime. Being clear about when they can come is important too. Yeah. Clarity on timing. And so I had that conversation and then we walked down to the ocean and I threw one of the roses in the ocean for me, for my path as a mother. And I threw one of the roses in the ocean for her as an offering. And Bodhi, my little dog, at the time, he had this fear of water. He had never swam before. And it's probably 11 p.m. It's pitch black out other than the moon. We're in the ocean. I mean, it's not exactly welcoming. He just went right in and swam with the roses. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he just swam around with them and then came out. And I was like, what? What was that? And it felt like a good omen. Yeah. And so... We walked back to the car and just went home. And that month, I had also done a ceremony where I sang into a bowl of water and with roses and called her in. And then a song came through, which was a song basically about her being called to me. And it's like a little joyful song. It's like a fun, playful song. We now sing it around the fire. And then a few months later, we were in Mexico. We conceived her. And Ben was telling you before he left, he hadn't been really doing the spirit work with me. I had been doing a lot of communication, a lot of preconception work, which was very confronting. I didn't experience anything so intense. What does preconception work mean? I initially thought, oh, well, you just prepare your body nutritionally. And, you know, I've done all of this healing work. I've done so much clearing, like I'm ready. But actually the real work started when we decided we wanted to start trying and all of a sudden I was just so confronted emotionally it was as if I was terrified like we were supposed to be having this conception ceremony when we make love where we're like eye gaze and clear and drink cacao together and talk and then make love but I was frozen in fear and I was melting down and then I was changing my mind and I was just having these really big experiences and finally I realized that I didn't know that I had made an unconscious contract to not continue my lineage because I was so terrified of repeating the pain of my ancestors and of repeating just the pain of my paternal line which is so traumatic it's hard to even talk about and so when I realized that I had made that unconscious contract I had to break it And so that's what I had to do to be ready. 
okay, so you had made the contract that you didn't want to continue the lineage and that meant actually to not conceive rather than heal. Yeah. The thing is that unconsciously, yeah. I had made an agreement yeah. to never continue the lineage. Yeah, totally. That makes which sense. Which I didn't really know that yeah. I had made that agreement yeah. until the fear was so strong when yeah. it's supposed to be like this pleasurable, ecstatic thing and it wasn't. And I was confused with my own response. And I remember sitting in the car in Mexico crying and saying to Ben, I really need you to be the rock right now because I'm all over the place and I'm saying yes and then I'm saying no to this and I just need you to be consistent with me right now because this is really scary and I'm not quite sure what's happening yet. And then when I figured it out, I was like, whoa, that was a strong contract. Yeah. That I was so scared to continue the pain or pass it down. And that freaked me out. You know, you see those Facebook posts or those Instagram posts where they are like, you were an egg inside of your grandmother. And it's this like romantic thing. And I've never like, seen those. That freaking terrifies me. I'm like, this yeah. is not a good thing. I'm not happy yeah. about this. But I recently discovered that actually that's not entirely true and that we can make more eggs and that we're not like born with all of the eggs and that that's our it. grandmas have. Yeah. That's yeah. like not true statement yeah. scientifically and so i was like phew you know what's so funny <laughs> is that because you have that in your shadow that your algorithm showed you that yeah because i would literally I know, right? never see that it's post. like doo, 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 yeah doo, it's doo. like you were an egg and your grandma yeah i'm like finds <laughs> like oh. cats in backpacks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like adventure cats You're just i know. like get ready yeah you know what's funny is i had an unconscious contract that i realized in my separation that with the first love that i had when i was younger you know, your first love is just so. And I remember after having the moment where I was like, I'm never going to love someone like that again. Mm, mm -hmm. And I remember thinking about that and I've had to heal that because I remember just saying that. And it's so weird because you say it in your mind, but there's something that happens where there's a clarity and truth of that desire that's just reverberated through all space and time. Yeah. Where I said that and I'll never forget where I was. I was in my top bunk of my college dorm wearing green sweatpants and an old ratty sweatshirt. And I just remember saying that and it just being like, bing, like yeah. it happening. Yeah. And then having to really work. So I think for people listening to think about some of the patterns they have in their life or maybe some of the things that have caused them the greatest pain, maybe it's their parents, maybe it's their family, maybe it's their first love and just having a check psychically or intuitively of a contract that you could have potentially made that could be preventing you from living the life that you want mm -hmm. or experiencing what you deserve. So many people make unconscious agreements and unconscious contracts. I write about this in my book just a little bit that we don't realize we have that are based on our family system conditioning or and it's out of self-preservation, but actually it's the exact thing that's blocking us from having what we want. And so we have to clear those things. And so often we won't realize until we get to that next level that there's something to clear, which is why success as our culture sees it is sometimes challenging to achieve because in order to get there you have to work through all of these blocks even when I was writing my book I was so confronted with all of these things I had to work through but conceiving a child was the biggest because you're literally creating another human and that feels like so much pressure and responsibility but ultimately obviously we worked through it because here she is I know <laughs> Here the little angel baby is. 
I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L3 and 8. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. So I want to talk about the relationship that you and Ben had during this because I think there might be a lot of women that want to conceive. And you even said, you're like, I had to spiritually bring him into this. And I do feel like women, because we take on so much, we're like, I am woman, hear me roar. I'm going to call her in. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually give the partner the opportunity to be involved in the process as like a spiritual being and as the father Mm -hmm. of the child. And I could even have seen myself if I was to have had a child already, I probably would have done that and like yeah. strong-armed it all and been like, right. this baby's coming through me. She's my contract. Here we go. And not giving my partner the opportunity to be as involved as they can. So what has that process been like of letting him in as like your divine partner in this process? Yeah. First, we don't actually know all the time. Sometimes it's just your contract or sometimes it's yours and a partner's. Have you ever read the book Spirit Babies? I literally have. It. It's, it's right over there. Yeah. Such a good book. I read the whole book book in less than two days. I read it in like a night. This is the best. It's like stories, to be honest. It was really easy to read and understand. I just had a a bunch of antidotes about how to work with your spirit baby that I really loved. I was so sad when I found out that he had already passed away because as soon as I read that book, I was like, I got to find this guy. I know, same. (laughs) Me too. I was like, I need a session. (laughs) I've worked with some great spirit baby mediums since. Also, I think we're all spirit baby mediums. I know, 100%. 
And it's nice when you work with somebody else because the closer you are to it, it can be nice to have that support. But yeah, on your point, I had been working with that spirit for a while and we had been trying to conceive for a few months. And it was interesting because I knew exactly when I was ovulating and I knew that she wanted to come, but she wasn't quite coming. And she had told another spirit baby intuitive that she was a Virgo, which in Vedic she actually is. That's just like a weird, in Western, she's Libra. In Vedic, she's a Virgo. And so she wasn't coming. She wasn't coming. I was like, okay, maybe this is because she knows the month that she's going to come. But also I got this sense that she had a strong contract with Ben as well. Yeah. And he hadn't really been engaging. He's supportive and he has a deep spiritual practice, actually in some ways deeper than mine sometimes. He's very devoted to his spiritual practices. But just he's not a spirit baby guy. He's not like going off and making (laughs) baby altars. But I said to him, I think she's not coming because she needs you to call her. I'm the one calling, but I'm sensing that she needs you. Like she needs you fully on board. And so he went and sat in this Huichol peyote ceremony in Mexico with some friends who are on the Huichol path. They're from the Huichol tradition. And everybody there, like three couples, they were all praying for conception and everyone conceived. But he had a candle, which is like a ceremony candle, and they prayed all night and he prayed to become a father. And then when he came home from ceremony, we went to sleep and the next night we made love and we prayed over my womb together with that candle. And he spoke to her. And the next day in the shower, I just heard this little giggle. I was like, I was just waiting for him to come. And I told him, I was like, yeah, this baby's hilarious. Like this baby really wanted you to call. And I was pregnant on our last podcast. I was like a few days pregnant. I know. I remember because <laughs> I was like, I remember part of the story you told it when we were sitting in that room. Yeah. I was like, I'll literally never forget. And then you said that the contract for your second baby. Yeah. It's funny because we had Ray and then a few months in, I started doing those hikes every day with her. And for some reason, I just kept saying to this baby, hey, I I really want you and I just need you to wait a little while. And I didn't really understand like why that's the thing that I was saying. I was just saying that and I was like, I really want you. I really love you. The second spirit baby. Yeah, the second spirit baby, which actually (laughs) we went camping in Uculet near Tofino when I was like eight and a half months pregnant. Totally don't recommend doing that. I was like, I want an adventure, you know, I was like having this moment and Ben being the lovely human that he is obliged and he took me camping and while we were driving in, I was like, this is going to sound strange, but our other spirit baby just came through and I just fell in love with them. But I had to tell them that they can't come right now because I haven't even given birth to their sister yet. (laughs) And so anyways, I'm walking through the woods and Ray's like two or three months old and I'm like, okay, I love you and you can come later. Then I decide I'm going to reach out to this spirit baby medium that I worked with while I was pregnant because this just just nagging feeling. And she sends me back this email and she's like, oh, this spirit is like a bowl in a china shop. She said they really want to come like now. It was basically like she wanted us to conceive this year within a few months. And I was like, I cannot do that. I'm just not able to do that for so many reasons. 
But then it was funny because all of a sudden I started getting all of these stories served to me online about moms who had babies that were like 14 months apart. And I was like, this is so crazy. And Ben and I really started to entertain it. We were like, maybe we can do this. And then I came back to earth and I was like, no, yeah, I can't say yes to this because it's just not true for me. And as much as I want to fulfill this contract, I can't because... I need that first three years with my daughter. Mm. Watch me like have a baby next year. No, I was like, you'll just <laughs> wait. Never say never. I'm not saying never, spirit. Yes. I'm just saying no thanks. Yeah. And so I want more. I would love to have the first three years with Ray Ray because the first three years are so sacred. Yeah. There's so much happening developmentally. And I want to breastfeed her until she's like three or four. So it would be nice to just have that time. But it's definitely been wild to see all of a sudden there's like another one knocking. <laughs> I'm sure they're like ready. They're like, this is a good life. Yeah, I'm we're like living it up. It. Yeah. yeah, we're living it up. So there's probably a lot of women and even me just hearing and I've seen you with your husband. It's like so beautiful to see how trusting he is of your intuition. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of men, if you were like, because even with your baby's name, yeah, like you got the hit that you were like, this actually, we're going to change the name we originally yeah. had and just how open to your intuitive hits and your guidance are. Mm -hmm. He is. It's very inspiring. So what advice would you give for any women or like how would you support them in being in a relationship where the man trusts their like gut intuition as yeah. a woman? I would say that it takes time. Ben didn't always trust. He had to really, I think, see many, many, many times over my psychic dreams or my psychic hits, like really strong experiences come to fruition before he was like, okay, I got to just let go here. An example is his cousin when she was pregnant. I won't say the actual name just to protect their own privacy because she didn't give me permission to share her daughter's name, but I am really close with her son. And when she was pregnant, I had this dream that I was with him in this house and I had lost his sister who wasn't born yet and I was running all over the house yelling her name and it's a quite a unique name it's not a name I don't really meet anyone with that name and anyways she gave birth had her baby and then she hadn't named her baby yet and we all met at his grandfather's care home and she brings the little girl in and she sets her down and says you know her name and Ben just looks at me because I had a dream and he mm -hmm. was like oh my god mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. and I was like whoa okay that's just like one story but he's had many experiences like that to the point where he can't really deny it anymore and so I've had to be really patient with him too it's not like he was just like you know women rock I trust them yeah like totally oh goddesses. intuition like yeah. yeah you know sure like this is totally illogical but let me just follow yes. your he's struggles with that too because he's a very logical dude who's got a very strong mission he's a very powerful leader he is very in his masculine and so for him to trust me and just let go has been a practice and now he he does it beautifully and it's been really special for us to share that especially with the pregnancy and the and the naming of her because it doesn't always make sense to him. You know, he was joking because he was like, yeah, I had a spiritual moment. Kind of like, you know, what it's like to be you all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I felt the presence of God. He's like, you do every day. Yeah. <laughs> it must be nice. So in that, what I'm hearing is, first is like your rock solid trust in your own intuition. Yeah. 
and you not abandoning yourself or thinking you're stupid or thinking you're crazy. Because even when I'm talking about the spirit babies that I've been working with, it's like there's a part of me that's like, this is crazy. This is wild. But I know in my cells what this is true for me. And you know in your cells what is true for you is true for you. So I think within the relationship, it's like how can you be rock solid in your own intuition, in your own body, in your own knowing? And then eventually not counting on them to come Mm -hmm. around, but knowing that in that truth, eventually they'll come around. Yeah. And it's just a practice. Yeah. And there are big things and then there are little things. And I think when it really matters, he shows up and is like, okay, yeah, I don't win every time. Yeah. (laughs) The beautiful thing is that I do trust myself and I do know. And so I don't even try to fight him on it. Yeah. Like, for example, one time before we bought our home, we went to see a house that I had seen online. He hated it. Loved. And I knew we were going to live there. I hadn't even seen it. I was like, I don't know what to tell you, Ben, but this is where we're going to live. He's like, no, we're not. I hate that house. I don't want to live there. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, but I had that feeling and this is where we're going to live. And I don't normally bulldoze him. It's not my style. Yeah. I mean, I can be a, a bitch. Don't get me wrong. But I don't bulldoze him when like we're having conversations yeah. and agreements, you know, yeah. I'm like very like, let's both agree. Yeah. But for some reason, I just knew. And so I pushed forward. I negotiated the lease. I won out over like four other people. One person was going to pay in full for the whole year. But somehow I got us this lease. And even on the day he signed, I was like, are you excited? And he's like, no, wow. I'm not excited. But for some reason, he must have trusted too because he signed. And he's not like that. Yeah. He's not a passive guy. Yeah. Like You can't push him yeah, around. But he just went for it. And then it ended up being the most amazing house. We loved it. We were like, we'll live here forever until we buy a place. We would even buy this house. You know, we had such a great experience. It was such a magical time for us. And somehow, even though he didn't want to be there, he knew on some level to just trust me. Yeah, And so we just have had experiences like that too where as time goes on he's like okay yep and that happens vice versa probably too where you're like i'm learning to trust the masculine more for sure i'm learning to like trust his guidance and his gut and his thing and it's such a nice balance because even when we were talking here me and you were talking about how even me having animals and even me getting a taste of what it would be like to be a mother by being around so many of my Mm -hmm. friends children the pain that i perceive myself to feel of just this being that you love so much in the world and you're like oh my god what do I even do with this yeah love and having him be as the balance of I just want to protect her totally where we're like we just want to love her yeah he's I just want to protect her it's like such a beautiful thing yeah well and he really grounds me because I can be anxious and a catastrophizer and I'm also very impulsive not in a really negative way. I just, I get really excited. Like I'm very excited and I have these visions and these creative ideas and I'm like, let's go. Let's rip our house apart right now. I'm right now person. Yeah. And he's the, let's slow down. Let's think this through. And I've learned that actually he's usually right about that. He's usually right when we slow down. Oftentimes I'll change my mind if I just give it some time. And so I've really learned how to appreciate the value he brings when he hits the brakes and it invites me to move slower. And I've learned a lot about delayed gratification from him and just how to, yeah, be a bit more responsible actually in the material world. So he's brought that to me 
and we balanced each other out in all of these really beautiful ways. Yeah. So it's about mutual respect, right? Yeah. And I even see that with your guys' interaction, like you were sitting here and he did something and you just were said something so kind and sweet to him. You're like, oh, you're so cute. Or like, you're so sweet. It was like so tender. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, those moments are so important in relationship mm -hmm. to have those little like, oh, you're just amazing. Like, mm -hmm. you're so sweet. You're so kind. And that type of energy as a sustainer of the intimacy of the respect and of the love. And I think especially for men, that is such a force of connection in their relationship. Because yeah. I think women, we can get it from a lot of people. Yeah, I thought it was so beautiful that there was that like levity and playfulness and freshness of how you like approach each other. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite things about our relationship because... We just have a fun time together. Like I mean, we really that's number play. one for me. Play I remember it was like a week ago we were in the grocery store. Sometimes if it's late and we want to get out, yeah, we'll put her to sleep in the carrier on me and we'll go to the grocery store. New parents <laughs> vibes. Yeah. We're like, let's party. Yes. We're like dancing to the music on the <laughs> intercom. It was like Gangnam Style song yes, came yes. on. We were just grooving in the frozen food section and we were laughing hysterically and we were just like making a ruckus and... In those moments, I'm just so grateful yeah. that we've been together for almost a decade now and that we can still just be kids and laugh together. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been without challenge and stress. Like this has definitely changed our relationship. It's changed me and how patient I am with him. And so it's nice that we have those moments where we can just laugh and play. And I feel like that's one of the most important things in a healthy partnership yeah. is that your capacity to play and joke around because even if I'm being a certain type of way, mm -hmm. he can just crack a joke and make fun of me, not in a mean way, but in a way that we both just laugh yes. at me being ridiculous. And then I just move on. Yes. He has a very good skill set interrupting the pattern, the pattern or me just taking things too seriously or yep. being ridiculous for a moment and the tussling. Yes. John Wineland calls it tussling. Yeah. I'd say yeah. Ben's a pro at that. That is such a skill. Yeah. If you can play with the moods of the feminine mm -hmm. and not have them feel disrespected. Yeah. But just bring out of that mode and just bring levity and lightness and play. Yeah. He can really pull me out of some stuff. That's huge. He can just like in the middle of me feeling really frustrated or really anxious or something about it's always about protecting one of our little beings. I'm not just like anxious all the time, but when it comes to like my daughter or my dog, mother bear comes out. Yeah. And he can just crack a joke. Or point something out in such a way that I just burst out laughing and see the ridiculousness of it. And that's very helpful for me. I need that. Yeah. We all need that. It's huge. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned was like about delayed gratification and like finding that beauty. And I think something that we were talking about a little bit before, but what I wanted to talk about was like oversharing on social media. Mm -hmm. And just, I think that is something that I think a lot about. And it's so interesting because we were talking about the beginning where people see your life and they're like, think that it's just all this online experience yeah. of like how you live. And it's so not mm -hmm. at all. Like you're in the forest most of the time yeah, and you're doing your thing. What are you seeing right now in the space of how people are oversharing online and what effects do you think that's having on them? Yeah, I wrote about this recently and it created a huge debate. And I think people misinterpret when I talk about oversharing. 
they hear I'm confused don't with share the debates that are happening all. on your page. Oh, yeah, it's wild. I'm just like, what's going on? I know. The more I speak honestly about the things that I believe, mm. the more conversation it creates. Instead, you're like, love yourself, love your life. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> Live, like, love, laugh. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Our social media team, I obsess, Sophie. I said this quote. I said it, so she shared it. It was like, it's time for you to live your life. Yeah. A life that you love. And I literally saw it and was like, oh, my God, I want to jump off a cliff, make me puke. You can sell that one at Winners or Ikea, Oh, right? 100%. It, like, went viral. Everyone was like, yes, I'm yeah. living my life. I was like, dude, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. I know. And it's funny because I am one of those people who loves following mommy bloggers. Mm-hmm. And I there's this woman, I don't know if you ever heard of her, called Ballerina Farm Mm-mm. on Instagram. No. I don't know if you're into this kind of stuff, but this is a woman who, I'm kidding you not, she has seven children. They live on like 600 or 1,000 acres. They have a huge farm. She, when she wants to make pizza, will make her own mozzarella that day. Then she'll take her marinara that she made on the farm and canned it herself, makes pizza from scratch for her whole family. She does this like every day. And she's always got a baby on her hip. She's milking the cow. And it's just incredible. I'm like, this is so fun. I love it. I want her to share her whole day. Yeah. And I don't think that's oversharing. That's great. It's fun. I love to share all the beautiful trees and the fun I'm having with my family. But there is this element of oversharing that I see when it comes to our intimate, vulnerable experiences. And it's like, oh, I'm having an emotional experience. I'm going to live stream it or oh, I'm going through this really deep thing. And in this moment, the first thing that pops into my mind is sharing it. It's not that we should never do that. Sometimes that's the most inspiring, beautiful thing we can do. I have a friend who he wrote a whole blog post about men crying and took all these photos of him having real emotional experiences to encourage men to be vulnerable and share their tears. And I love that. So I'm not even saying that you should never do it. But in alchemy, there is this principle of containment which is you keep the lid on the pot so that the transformation can happen instead of constantly letting off the steam, right? That's how alchemy works. It's transmutation. And so when we're having an experience, when we're in the thick of it, when we're having this really potent, potentially life-transforming event, sometimes the best thing to do is to not share it online. And this is especially for coaches, healers, teachers. That's not the time to start teaching. You have not integrated that lesson. The medicine has not had a chance to sink in. Let it do its work. Share later. And so I talked about this and I said, hey, consider when you share and the timing. And allow yourself to actually receive the medicine. Because sometimes what we promote online as vulnerability is actually it's just feeding our ego because as soon as we get those likes and those comments people celebrating us for being vulnerable we could easily just move on because we've already been rewarded but the real reward is sitting in the fire and letting it teach us before we go out and start to regurgitate that gift that we're getting from spirit and so it's not even about never sharing it's about when you share and giving yourself time and space to integrate first and bringing that energy. You need support or if you want to be recognized, you want to be seen in your process, bring that to a partner, bring that to a close friend or a guide in your community. But consider that it might be interrupting something special when you 
bring other people's energy into it, especially online, people who you don't know. And you frame yourself as the teacher of this message. I believe spirit is teaching you right now. So can you just be with that instead of offloading it right away? Yeah. In my separation as an example, like I didn't share until it was like eight months after. Yeah. Because I deserve the full expression of the portal that I'm in. Yeah, exactly. My soul and my human deserves to have that be expressed and experienced on my own without any psychic interruption. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is from a psychic sense, the day that I shared that post, I could not leave my bed for 24 hours because there was so much psychic activity. Yeah. Projections, conversations, people talking about me, people I knew, people I didn't know, people, the amount of engagement and information that Mm -hmm. was coming at me and coming at him was just incredibly exhausting. Yeah. And I wanted to also give the relationships that I have as a priority, the intimacy and the what they deserve, which is the conversation with me, through me, the opportunity to be there for me, the opportunity to be a support for me. And I think we shortchange and we choose fake intimacy over real intimacy Mm -hmm. because the real intimacy is to go through something, tap on a teacher, tap on a community member, an elder, a friend, a lover first for their support rather than going to this false space of intimacy, which is social media for something that you think you're wanting. And what also happens is if we see that social media is like Carl Jung, the persona, it's so you have this persona, you're fulfilling the mask. You're sharing this thing that's intimate and personal online. As soon as you receive feedback, your experience about it changes. Yeah. And that's just a a fact of your brain. Mm -hmm. You're receiving this, this stimulus input about your experience. If it's good, if it's bad, if you should do more of it, blah, blah, blah. So it's altering the experience immediately and you're not going to give yourself the opportunity for the real experience and to have it. And I think for so many coaches and healers and teachers, because they have the ability and opportunity to monetize that, yeah, that's where it gets really tricky. And mm-hmm. I've noticed and seen a lot of people in my world and space that have gone through things and used it as a way to monetize the experience yeah. for themselves and use it as a way to capitalize on it because mm-hmm. They know that those big portals and opportunities are a space where they can get a lot of attention. Yeah. Whether it's a divorce, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a miscarriage, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's incredibly heartbreaking because I think then you're feeding the avatar rather than the human. Absolutely. And there is a difference too. You know, I see people say, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing my story. I can share whatever I my want, whenever I want. called Nuance. <laughs> well, that's the thing. In my recent post, people were like, you're shaming us and all of these things. And I was like, well, no, I'm not shaming you. I'm simply you're like, suggesting- You're like, shaming you. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chris was shaming I'm, you. I'm shaming I'm, you. Shut I'm up. Being, I'm being gentle. Because again, but- <laughs> it's not, everyone's just like me. They're like, me, me, me. Yeah. People are taking it really personally and I'm like well hey like if you don't respect what I have to say then you don't actually have to listen because I'm just some random woman on Instagram anyways say no more and so it, that's a thing too is like we don't have to actually take anyone's advice mm-hmm. so if you think everything I just said is bs yeah that's okay don't listen I actually to don't me. want you to think all my page is right yeah no just take the best leave yeah. the rest take what resonates and I have my own frequency and that's gonna land for some yeah. it's not for others but I had a lot of people say well like, that's not really fair because I'm a teacher and I'm a healer and of course I'm going to share about my experience and I'm like yeah I do that too 
I just don't do it in the moment. Like I have a rule for myself. If I have an energetic charge around it, if I'm still reactive, if it brings up a lot of emotion in me, if I don't feel complete with that experience yet, I don't talk about it. Yeah. And I don't share it. And I certainly don't teach it. Yep. Because I'm still receiving the lesson. And so it's like respect for the human teacher or respect for the spirit teacher. When I'm in the room with a teacher, it would be like getting a teaching and then immediately going and sharing it as my own. And I know that when spirit is gifting me something that I can work with it for a while or I could just go and immediately tell everyone this is the truth and it has a different essence when we've really worked with that, you know, sometimes even for years before we teach anything about that thing so that we can let it alchemize. And often it deepens and it'll just make you better at what you do. It's not going to be, it's not about holding back. It's actually going to make you a more potent integrated teacher because you're honoring the wisdom. That's what a true elder does too. If we see elders, they share stories and they have all of this medicine that they've gathered over the years. And then they finally are here to offer that to the younger generation and that's something that I think we need to bring back a little bit more yeah I think in the process of what people are going through from an internal family systems perspective which Mm -hmm. is my new teaching it's like being with the part of you that needs tending Mm -hmm. what is the part of you that's going through the experience yeah because if we're bypassing the part to go with the other part that wants to be seen as good or bad or the teacher then that neglected part will never get the loving and tending that they deserve. Mm -hmm. That could be the inner child. That could be however you see it. But there's so much nuance here. And I just think it's so powerful too, because it's also like, what is that immediate reflex to have something immediately shared or put in a post or put in a Mm -hmm. caption online? I also think about this too. And I'm so grateful that we're writing our book because I have so much new stories that I've told that I've never shared before. But I also have some codes that I've shared before over the years in certain ways. And I'm so grateful to have another place to say it because I'm like, this is so potent. This is so powerful. Instagram is so fleeting. Mm -hmm. Like you're sharing something in a caption or post or reel or whatever, TikTok. And this something is so personal and important to you. This is your teaching. This Mm -hmm. is like the portal that you're in. This is the medicine that God gave you. This is like your lesson and learning for this now moment. And it's just flippantly posted online yeah like how it just doesn't do justice some of the energetics behind some of the lessons and things that we go through and so how can you give your own story more longevity and Mm -hmm. more weight and more of the respect that it deserves rather than just being something that you're just going to share online that's why I love writing books yeah and I think that's the thing that I love doing the most is I just love writing. I love writing and I love sharing. and I love supporting people, knowing that I can support people in such a tender time in their lives through my own solitude, really. And yeah, you're totally right, especially when you talked about like that psychic bit opening and also changing the way that we view our experience. And the other thing is how vulnerable we are in those moments. We're also inviting criticism and feedback that we don't want. And what if you just don't have the capacity for that? You know, if you're going in with an agenda of being validated and you're not validated, that's going to make it even harder. And so I really believe the best way that we can operate and show up on social media is from a lens of detachment. What I put out, if you love it or if you hate it, I want to feel the same way no matter what. I want to feel neutral. 
I don't want to jump up and down when everybody loves what I write and I don't want to go and lay down and cry when nobody likes what I write. Because as much as I love the work that I do and I value the people who read my work, they aren't my real life people. I can't put my worth and my validity in their hands. And it can't be measured through a like button or an unfollow button. And that's something that we may have lost sight of. We put too much energy into the validation we receive on social media. And it takes up a lot of energy. Yeah. And we do get dopamine hits every time we use social media and we use our phones. And we're very addicted to them. And it could be interfering with us on such a level that we aren't even aware of. Yeah. And so I'm really about taking a pause and taking a step back and remembering who and what really matters. And that's your real life family, the people that you sit down to dinner with, the people that you have walks with, the people that you share life with, your neighbors. And so can we get back to our roots a little bit and start to think on a community level rather than this global social level yeah. all the time that's way overwhelming and for me personally can cause me to spin out because there's just too many people to save. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a conversation today with someone and we talking about like environmental issues and just sort of what's going on in the world from that perspective. And then there was another conversation that I had recently that just reminded me about how this global economy, this global world, this global reach, this global view is so beautiful, but really does that where it overwhelms us. It makes us freeze. It makes us not know where to go or what to do or how to save or how to support. Mm -hmm. So we just don't end up doing anything. Yeah. But if it was the focus on this is my community, this is yeah. my neighbor, this is the teacher of my child, this mm -hmm. is like the grocer, this is the butcher, this is like all of this community, then you can really see and feel much more inspired and motivated by the impact that you're making mm -hmm. rather than being like, okay, I'm looking to help animals, but I know that they're part of a system that's part of, you know, and you just, you get frozen. Well, there's too many in animals and there's just too exactly. many people in pain. There's too many children that need our help. There's yep. too many hungry families. And to be honest with you, right now with motherhood, I'm feeling so much grief all of the time about all of these things. Anytime I hear about a child who doesn't have food or at Christmas time, I just cried my eyes out because certain moms in my mom's group that I'm a part of, because I'm a part of like a, a, yeah. a group, a lot of moms on our island couldn't afford presents or food. And I just cried. And I need to feel like I'm supporting my community. Yeah. While I was pregnant, I volunteered at the food bank. Yeah. And that gave me a really strong sense of purpose. It was the best day of my week. And I obviously had to stop once I had a baby. But now I'm like, okay, what can I do? How can I serve? Yeah. And I'm going to just focus on where I am. Can I help the families here yeah. who need help that are right outside my front door yeah. rather than trying to, what I usually do is try to create this big vision yeah. and because I want to just heal the world, yeah. would love that. Yeah. But in reality, I just have to start somewhere. Can I deliver a meal to a family today? Can I bring a mama who doesn't have money for groceries a delivery? Little things that we can do to actually serve the people that are right outside our door. And if we all did that, we would heal the world. Yep. That's like the story of Christ. Yeah, I just recently am volunteering at the Stray Cat Alliance, which is where I got my babies because mm -hmm. animals are my thing. And for so long, I was like, 
donate every month. Yeah. And then I donate whenever I see a post basically. But I was like avoiding it because I'm like, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I care too much. What is that part of me that feels like I'm not strong enough to metabolize the truth of what's happening or the truth of this experience? And I realized in that that so often people will say like, they can't handle it. Mm. It's kind of like, I'm at capacity. I can't handle it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want that to be my same experience. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be someone that like believes I'm at capacity, believes yeah. I can't handle it and believes that I'm not strong enough to like not only live my life in a life that I love and be in joy, but also be in the fullness of the experience where the things could be hard, but I know I'm doing my best mm-hmm. and being okay with doing my best. Yeah. I think that's where I would get tripped up where I would feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a me thing. Yeah, I feel like that all the time. And I actually have to actively work against that instinct, I think, sometimes to collapse in the pain and the grief of it all yeah. and realize, no, like I'm being called deeper into mother. Yeah. And what can I actually do? Yep. And I have to accept that, you know, there's a lot of pain in the world and there's a lot of people who are suffering. And there's also a lot of beauty and there's a lot of good. And I always have a choice how I'm going to show up. And so I just do as much as I can in my community on the ground. And I hope that my work online also serves a lot of people. And lately I've found the greatest fulfillment is from being a part of a small community where I can just help in whatever way people need me to and do so in a humble way and remember that we're just all part of the same human family. We need each other so much. And this is the work now in undoing so much of what we've learned, which is social disconnection through apps. This is the work is getting our feet and our hands dirty in the mud and really being there for each other in ways that I think the younger generation might not even know how to do because they're online so much. And so I want to reclaim that for myself and for my daughter and have her grow up in a world where her childhood was spent in nature and she wasn't sitting on a screen or she's not afraid to go hang out with her friends in person because they only connect through their gaming devices, which is apparently a real problem now. And so it's almost like villaging, which my friends actually, they're creating this app called Revillager and it's all about connecting with people in your neighborhood so that you can be of service to one another and create new villages but like where you actually are like help each other with your kids help each other with food and groceries and collaborate on things just like you would in a village long ago and so they've been working on this app for years and they've just sort of started to debut it out and it's going to help people do that again and I'm just so excited because that's my dream is that we all know what it's like to have true village and community again yeah that was so beautiful. Well, it's been so great to have you. I love you so much. I love you too. Would love to end on just the most beautiful thing about motherhood. Everything. The most beautiful thing about motherhood is also the most painful thing, which is in the impermanence. I want to cry just thinking about it. I feel like I'm going to cry I'm because cry. every time I look at her, I'm just in awe that I get to hold sacred space for her for the first time few decades of her life like that's our special time together and like I'm responsible for making sure her body is safe and that her body is taken care of and that she preserves her essence I'm not shaping 
who she is. I'm preserving who she was born to be. And it just feels like the greatest sacred honor that I've ever received. And looking into her eyes and seeing her joy is just the best. She's yeah. so joyful. The best. She's so sweet. Yeah, she's amazing. She's literally yeah. the best. <laughs> also, too, when, like, she was in here, I don't know why I feel very, like, full of love. It's a very delicate. It's, like, brink joyful love, brink grief love. Mm-hmm. She's got potent energy. She yeah. did from the moment I started speaking to her and when I conceived her. I even knew I knew her human design before I gave birth to her. You can't really guess because you don't. it changes every day wow. and every minute. I knew. I actually called her exact design. I could feel her. What is she? And she's an MG. Yeah. yeah. I knew it. And emotional authority. Yeah. And I even guessed her profile lines. Like I, I knew it all. I could just feel that she's a very potent being. And my editor actually, who edited Becoming the One, yeah. she had a dream about her the other night. She texted me and she said she just knew everything in the world. And it was like she was a screen and you could just look into her eyes and you could know everything. And I just get the sense that she's really special. Yeah. And obviously everyone thinks their kid is special. <laughs> Every kid is special. And they should be. Every baby yeah. is so special. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. That's no. what I think so too. It's like there was this spoiled child thing that you talked about. Yeah. We don't even need to go into, but it's like, it's okay to think your child's incredibly special. Yeah. Your kid is incredibly special. Yeah. You've just given birth to the universe. It's their heaven on earth. Yeah. There is such pure innocence. They are our teachers. Yeah. And I think we might lose sight of that sometimes. Yeah. And think like, oh, I'm here to teach them yeah. stuff and like make them behave and obey me. And I mean, we don't want them burning our house down and running out into the road. <laughs> but in terms of obedience, I don't really want an obedient daughter. Yeah, same. I don't really care about that. I don't want I, an obedient either because yeah. I think this is the last thing I'll say. There's this like obsession with having women that are bossy and kind yeah. of wild, but then the men were not really giving that same opportunity because yeah. we're afraid of their aggression. Yeah. I'm going to let my boy be fucking crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between being wild and being like uncalibrated. <laughs> and so it's really, I, that's what I've learned the most through this journey. <laughs> There's is a like, difference between juvenile delinquent yeah. <laughs> and being wild. And being free. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just to be who you are yeah. and to be expressive yeah. and to not have somebody being like, Shh, don't say that, don't do that, or behave this way, or that's not right, or even saying please and thank you. I'm like, I'm not going to force you. I'd rather yeah. teach you gratitude and have you come through that naturally where you feel called to say thank you because you feel the gratitude. I'm not going to be like, what do you say? And no judgment if parents that's a do good that. one because it's, it's very just, cerebral. Yeah. It's like, okay, but are you feeling gratitude yeah. or is this just becoming this autopilot thing that you say? What is the embodied feeling of gratitude? Yeah of thank you yeah. and so it's just these little things where i feel like we can just let our foot off the gas a little bit and be like who are you let me support you in being more of that yes beautiful babe well i love you i'm so grateful and i'm so grateful that i got to meet little ray ray you and too. i can't wait to be at the house yeah the i know goats. we're gonna sauna the man but i guess you're gonna you said you want to come when it's hot out so i'll sauna you can still sauna but i'm saunaing yeah. i'm oceaning and everything yeah. okay <laughs> Okay. All right, guys. We love you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Shay. We love you so much. Rising Woman is the Instagram, risingwoman.com for her courses and programs. Almost 30 for ours for our courses and programs in universe, for all the partner codes, for the, all the amazing brands that we work with and love. It's krista.com for the Empaths Retreat that I'm going to be doing called the True Essence Retreat at Six Senses in Ibiza. 
Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to Almost 30 everywhere you listen to podcasts. We have new episodes every single week. We appreciate your listenership as always. We love you and we'll see you on the next one. We love you guys. See you soon. Bye.